Praise the Lord, saints. Um, you know, just kind of been here, uh, you know, I was just looking at my wife during the middle of worship service, and it's like we haven't left our, you know, our church down out at Sydney, you know, and it's, it's, just, it's just an awesome, powerful presence of God that we feel here. And it was, um, you know, we've been so blessed, you know, I pinch myself always, you know, I, I, the whole week I've been telling talking to Pastor Simon, like, I'm pinching myself that you invited us, you know, <laughs> of all people, Pastor Bishop, uh, Pastor Simon uh, Butcher, because we, we hold um, uh, Pastor Simon in really high regard. Um, I grew up with, you, you know, uh, your guest speaker in the next several weeks, uh, Pastor Jacob uh, and uh, Pastor Stan, we're all really good mates. Uh, we all grew up in the One Connect group or Cell group, and so... Uh, and when we were young Christians, it was uh, people like uh, Pastor Simon and his cousin, Cameron, that, uh, you know, they were our leaders. You know, these were the people that we looked up to. And, and you know, you guys are blessed. Believe me, you, you guys have an awesome, awesome pastor and his beautiful wife, Kathy. Uh, they've just made us feel so at home. So, and uh, again, my, you know, uh, I'm here with my beautiful wife. Sister Sharon, do you want to just stand? Um, she's the better half of me. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I love my wife. She's such a, an awesome and a, she's the anchor. You know, she holds uh, me, you know, and uh, because it, it wasn't just, you know, I'll be honest with you. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just several years ago that I was out of church. It's, I've only been back in church for the last four years, so you think your pastor's probably a bit crazy getting someone like me up here to share. But, you know, um, my wife, and hopefully, you know, throughout this message today, I'll, I'll share a bit, of, a bit about my testimony, you know, and what God has done in my life, you know. And, uh, man, you know, Jesus said, you know, you know, you know the book of Psalms, uh, David, he says, he goes, oh, I'm so glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know why? Because, you know, Jesus, when he was in the temple, you know, he addresses the, 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 the Sanhedrin, the, the leadership of the day, and he said, if you only knew what, who stands before you, he said, there is one that is greater than Solomon. If you only knew what you were feeling in this place. You will have a reason to dance. If you really got a grip of what is in your presence, you will never be the same again. If you only understood why you come every Sunday service, you will go home changed. You wouldn't come here just because mum and dad told me to come or I'm coming just out of motion. You'll come because you understand the purpose and the reason because there's something that's here that is absolutely divine and that can change your life. And I stand here today as a testimony. Four years ago, uh, say six years ago, I was in a jail cell. And it wasn't my first stint. I had done a couple of stints in jail. And I can tell you today, the power of God. You st Standing here before you is a criminal. I was just telling the brother how I used to hate bikies. 
Because inside, you know, I, I detested them. But I can tell you today that God can change lives. That what you're, it's not, just not emotions that's here. What you're feeling is the spirit of the Almighty God. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to preach a bit to the, uh, uh, from the Word of God. I'm going to ask our good pastor uh, to read. We're going to read a couple of scriptures. I like to preach from scripture. Amen? I like the Word to do the preaching. Amen? So I'm going to get our pastor. So bear with me. Let, allow me to build a bit of a That's backdrop right. so time. I can get to my point, all right? Yeah, take your time. And so, uh, pa- uh, Pastor Simon, can we just start from the book of uh, Matthew chapter 24? And we're going to read verses 1 to 13. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Amen. If I was going to title this message, and you're going to probably wonder why I've kind of titled this, I'm going to title this message, and we'll get to, uh, we'll get to the title, all right? So the title of my message today is Amemtos. So remember those words, Amemtos. Amemtos. My title of the message today is Amemtos. So just let me kind of give a bit of a background what's happening in Matthew chapter 24. Um, obviously, it has to do with prophecy. Um, to, if we were to put a time tag when this was taking place, when Jesus was ministering, it was around 30 AD. We know by history that uh, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by 70 AD. So I'll leave you to do the maths. Um, around 66 AD, there was a rebellion. Uh, the, Jude- the Jews of Judea rebelled against their Roman masters. And when we remember the ministry of Jesus Christ was during the time of the Roman occupation, meaning that Rome militarily uh, had control of Jerusalem. So, in response, 
to the uh, rebellion, Nero, who was the emperor of Rome at that time, he dispatched an army under the, the general, man, I've got to get his name right, Vaspasian, to restore the order in Rome. So by 68 AD, uh, the Romans, through Vespasian, totally eradicated the north of Israel with the rebellion, which then meant that they could totally focus on the absolute subjugation of Jerusalem. And this was around 68 AD. At the same year, Nero dies at his own hands, which then creates this massive power vacuum in Rome. And through the pursuing chaos, they voted and elected this Roman general who was in Israel squashing the rebellion, Vespasian. So he gets called back to go back to the imperial city of Rome, which then leaves the remaining army in Jerusalem under his son Titus. And so Titus is left with the responsibility to lead the assault on Jerusalem from 68 AD. And so when Titus begins the assault, he besieges and surrounds Jerusalem with his legions. And so with this, with the legions surrounding Jerusalem, they begin to tighten and squeeze uh, the, the, the power center of the Jewish resistance. So by 70 AD, uh, the Romans breached the walls of Jerusalem. By 70 AD, they breached the walls and they began to systematically cause chaos in the city, which then leads to the burning down and the destruction of the temple. And so here we have Jesus speaking in chapter 24, 40 years prior to this little historical summary, 40 years prior. So history tells us that what Jesus prophesied actually comes to pass. So you've got to then kind of ask the question, why did the, why did the disciples, they were so concerned when Jesus was actually talking about the destruction of the temple? Because you, you've got to understand the mind of the Jew. The temple was, this temple where Jesus was actually speaking from had been built and re renovated by King Herod. You know, it took King Herod over eight years just to get the supplies to build this temple. I mean, this was a wonder. It was something to behold. And then you got this dude, Jesus, walking into the temple and saying that every stone here is going to fall. It's going to be destroyed. And so the disciples kind of instigate this sermon on the mount. And those that have probably been to Israel, I haven't, but I've seen pictures. 
when this, when this sermon was actually spoken, it was preached from the Mount of Olives. And they say that when you, when you, when you stand from the Mount of Olives, you can see the whole of Jerusalem. They said it's a sight to behold. So this is the backdrop of what Je- where Jesus is speaking and directing this message, this prophetic message. And when you read through chapter 24, as Pastor read, you know, Jesus is talking about events that we saw that have already taken place and events that have yet to take place. So it's a very unique portion and chapter of the Bible, chapter 24 and chapter 25, that Jesus speaks from because there's two, ser- two sermons there. And so when you read, he, he, there's all these, these, because I said, so what are the signs? When are these things going to happen and when are you coming back? They, you know, they had to have a private meeting with Jesus. I mean, because this thing, it, it scared them. And then Jesus preaches this awesome message. And it's very prophetic. And then he begins to talk about the signs of the time. He talks about, you know, many will come in my name. And, you know, he talks about, you know, be aware of these false Christs, these false teachers. There's going to be many that's going to try to deceive you. This is the message here. It's going to try to take you away from the truth. Look at the world that you're living in today. We are living in the days that Jesus was speaking about. This is the hour that we are living in. You see, I'm no kind of prophecy, uh, you know, uh, I'm not one of those guys that are right into the prophecy. I'm no kind of prophecy geek. I'm not, you know, you get those guys that are really hectic on, 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 on prophecies, but I'm not. So when I'm reading this scripture, I'm trying to kind of get a, an understanding at what, how does this context, how does this scripture fit in the context of my life? And when you look at it from another view, have you ever been to, or you probably work in a place where they have this aerial photograph of the company? Or some people like to get an aerial photograph of their, their homes. Have you seen that? Well, Matthew 24 is like an aerial photograph of when Jesus is coming back. And it's like a photograph of him coming back into a world and all these things are happening as he's coming back. So that's the backdrop. And because, you know, those real the guys that are writing to prophecy will tell you, oh, no, this is all about the Jews and tribulation. Yeah, fine. Good on you. But at the heart of this, at the core of this, it's about his return. It's about Jesus coming back. So how does this fit in the context of your life? How does this fit in the context of the New Testament church? Because this was just prior to when all the disciples got, you know, like guys like uh, the Apostle Paul. So how does this fit in that context? And I want to bring scripture so I can kind of show you. So brother, Pastor Simon, could you just turn? 
Because I want to show you how it fitted this in the context of the apostles. Second Thessalonians. Uh, yes, please. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Amen. So he, Paul, the apostle, is taking a bit from what Jesus was preaching in Matthew 24. He's talking about the son of perdition. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. And to kind of put this in kind of the context of the New Testament church, anybody familiar with the church of Thessalonica? The church of uh, Thessalonians. You see, Paul had just come out of prison. He had been imprisoned in Philippi, and he travels to Thessalonica. And here in Thessalonica, he starts a new church. New converts. People had just been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. So there's this nice little work that is happening in the church of Thessalonia. Three days, and he has to leave. Because of persecutions, people wanted to kill him. So he writes this letter, and it breaks his heart that he has to be distant from these young converts. They're only new Christians. And you think, what the heck? He's teaching them prophecy? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, you know. But it shows you that to the Apostle Paul, the importance of prophecy. It was just as important as doctrine. I'm building something here. Okay? Because he starts talking about the coming. And if you look at the whole book of Thessalonians, it's all about the return of Jesus. All about Christ is coming back. He's coming back soon. You know, um, this young church in Thessalonica, it was a bustling city. It was a metropolis of trade. It was one of those major cities like Perth, Sydney pumping. It had had everything. You know what the, you know what's left of this ancient city of Thessalonica? An archway. That's all there's left. An archway. Pastor, can you uh, read the third uh, scripture? First Thessalonians 4.17. Yes, please. Because, you know, we're talking about here, we're starting to kind of see the subject is about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm, we all know, all you Bible students understand that the word rapture is not in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. 
So let's see where we get the word and the idea that rapture came from. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The word rapture comes from that caught together. Yeah. In the Greek, it's only one word, and and, and, and the the idea is that it's, you're going to be, you know, it's a sudden, it's this sudden act, this sudden taking. Now, remember, I said to you, Thessalonica, all that's left there is an arch. At the turn of the century, some French archaeologists all got together. These guys weren't Christians. And they decided that they wanted to kind of start digging up this ancient city. And so they came to an agreement that there was a certain portion that they wanted to start digging. And we know what archaeologists are like. They don't use excavators and it's like they're going gold digging, gold mining. You know, they pan everything and every little piece has some kind of history if they're not careful. You know, so these, these, these French archaeologists began to dig in this ancient city, a certain portion, section of Thessalonica. And when they started digging, they came upon these tombstone and and it had the word amemptos and they were thinking well a guy named amemptos is actually buried here so they continued in their work in their excavation and then they began to discover another tombstone and then a third tombstone a fourth, every single one of them had the name Amemptos. And it came to their, they came to the conclusion we're sitting on top of a graveside. The word Amemptos, all these burials, a whole bunch of people by the name of Amemptos, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't sound right. You know, if they had only used scripture, if they had only gone back to the Bible, they would have come to an understanding of what that word amemptos means. You see, prior to Christ, they didn't bury the dead in the cemeteries like we do. They would bury people in what they called the necropolis, necro meaning dead, polos, city, city of the dead. You go to Rome, they talk about those ancient catacombs. And if you go there, you've got all these burials. That's how they used to bury the dead back in the days. They used to bury them in those catacombs. Jesus was buried in a tomb. Because you see, the word cemetery, in the Greek, it means to sleep. So when they discovered these tombstones, Amemptos, they didn't realize that this was a Christian burial ground. That all these people that had their burials, Amemptos, were Christians who had died. 
And you see, to them, the reason why we have semi-trick today is because of the early Christians. Do you know why? Because it was a testimony. They didn't want to get buried in the, in the catacombs. For them to die and to be buried out, it was a witness. It was a testimony of their faith. Pastor, could you read? Yes, please. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Can you read that again? To the end, he may establish your hearts. Stop. Yep. Unblameable. Stop. Can you read that one again? Unblameable. Amemptos. Can you say that again? Unblameable. Unblameable. You know what the word amemptos means? It means that. Unblameable. Unblameable. Think about it. Paul preached to these Christians of Thessalonica. He was talking to them about the coming of Christ. These Christians lived their life as if Christ was coming back that day. They lived a life according to how their pastor was trying to get them to live. Paul says, I've been trying to establish this lifestyle in you. Because you know why? You need to live this life. Why? Because Matthew 24, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. You see, these Christians... We're living a life or trying to live a life. We're not talking about perfection here. They were trying to live a life that was blameless. How do you do that? How does one live a life that is blameless so that when Christ is coming back, you see these people that had been buried in those in the cemetery that these archaeologists had found, you see, they when they were buried, they didn't want to get buried in the catacombs. They wanted to get buried out because they believed they weren't dead. Hallelujah. They understood. They said, we've lived a life. We've tried. Man, even if I die, I know that when Jesus comes back, this corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. Hallelujah. When you understand... Oh, glory. When you get it, that Jesus is coming, you're going to make a couple of changes. These guys lived and they said, man, when I die, put a memptos. Glory. I believe God is going to do a work. God's trying to take us deeper, church. Thank you, 
Hallelujah. Pastor, can you just read from Ephesians chapter 2? Can you read verse 10 first? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And the verse before that? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. You know, Paul talks about in in, uh, chapter 2 of Thessalonians, he goes, man, he goes, we came to you guys blameless. Pastor, if you could read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing, sorry, 2, verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Wow. Blameless. Yeah. You know what Paul said? If you want to live a life that's blameless, he goes, we came to you without deceit. I'm putting an application now. How do we live a life that is blameless, that is a memptos? Paul said, get deceit out of your life. Get deceit. He goes, we didn't come to you with deceit. We didn't come to you pretending. We didn't come to you fake. We didn't come to you playing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he goes, we didn't come to you with deceit. And what was the next one? Uncleanliness. He goes, we didn't come to you with dirt in our life, with corruption in our witness. We didn't come and preach this gospel with deceit. And I think the third one is guile. He goes, we didn't come here trying to manipulate you. You see, God is challenging the church. He goes, you need to get a life and walk in a life that is blameless. Let me tell you something. You know, the Christian walk, it challenges us. You know, I think sometimes, you know, when you think about the word holiness... And we, we think only of the, that outward manifestations. It's beyond that. Uh, let me tell you what the word holiness means from the Hebrew. If you do a word study on it. The first time they use it is in the book of Genesis. Cut a long story short. And what the actual word holiness means, in the, it actually means weight. It means weight. Now, you think about it. Holiness, how is that connected with weight? You see, weight in the context, it means that when you have something heavy and it's sitting on something and you take it off, what does it leave? A dent, an imprint. It leaves an impression. Let me put it in this way. Who comes from a country that was colonized by the British? 
Yes, right. All of us. I mean, the British absolutely colonized the majority of the world. I mean, the way they did it was crazy. You know, when they talk about the glory of the British, people like myself who come from an island country, when the British came, you see, when you talk about the glory of the British, you see, I'm speaking English today. I'm wearing a suit today. You know, we, 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 the culture that we're... It means when you talk about the glory of the British, it's talking about the impact that it's had. Why? Because of the weight. That's the weight. The impact. So when we talk about holiness... When Jesus comes in your life, there's a weight. When you come in contact with this Jesus, it changes you. It does something to you. I can tell you that when I've had an encounter with God, as I said before in the beginning, I was a criminal. I wasn't raised like that. I was raised in a great family. But I hung around the wrong people and ended up doing the wrong things. And, you know, I left church and everything. Ended up in jail. But I'm telling you, when you come in contact with what you feel, what you felt in the worship service, you know what that is? That's what I'm talking about, the holiness. What we feel is the weight. Did you feel that? When the worship when the, 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 the team was playing. What we felt is the weight of the Spirit of God. And that weight kind of, it makes you do things. You see, when that weight absolutely takes control, you can sing like what those words say, you've got a reason, brother. You've got a reason to dance. Hallelujah. Because you know why? You understand the weight of what God has done in your life. Do you know why we are saved? Oh man, we, we, we're saved from sin. Yeah, we are. Oh, we're saved from a whole bunch of things. You're saved from God. Chang, but we forget God and sin can't mix together. Your safe God purchased your salvation. God saved you from Himself. That's why when you sing that song, the goodness of God. Man. He came running after you, man. This awesome God. When you allow that weight, that thinking, you begin to realize, man, I'm a sinner. When I begin to allow Jesus to minister, that weight begins to make me realize, man, I can't do things on my own. I can't, 
I can't do this without Jesus. I can't. You see, we're called to impact the world. And we forget it sometimes. See, this is why Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, live a life that is blameless, a life without deceit, a life that's without guile, without manipulation, without trying to be somebody that you're not. Because he says when you try to live and if you give your life to Christ, if you recommit, there are so much benefits. There are just so much benefits. And you see, we tend to not, we we focus on the irrelevant. There is so much benefit when we just allow God to move in our life. Just let him have his way. That's what he's trying to do. Because you know why? When you try to live a life that's a memptos, that's blameless, the benefits are the favor of God. Pastor, can you just, last scripture, man. Sorry I used a lot of scripture, guys. Chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. These are the benefits. Uh, from verse, I think two. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice wow. of the Lord thy God. He says all these blessings. He says if you will only hearken, if you will just listen to my word, if you will just apply the word in your life. Yes, go ahead, Pastor. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Oh, blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Oh, blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Oh. And the fruit of the ground. And the fruit of thy cattle. The increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Oh, my goodness. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy oh. store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Woo! Yes, amen. He says that you shall be blessed in the city, in your workplace. He said if you live a life, hallelujah. Yes. He said you will be blessed in your work, hallelujah. He goes, your family will be blessed. He said, your children will be blessed. Hallelujah. Living a life, why? At the center, knowing that God is coming back. Hallelujah. Let that be the drive. Jesus could come back and just take me away. Hallelujah. Glory. He said, you will be blessed. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Woo. You shall be blessed. 
if you live according to his word. And to do that is to journey into that life, a life of blameless, without blame. If I can rephrase that, as I come to a close, one of my favorite pizza joints is in Sydney, right next to the Liverpool station. And they used to have an advertisement with their pizzas. And the advertisement read, hot and ready. That's what Ememtos means. Hot and ready. It means my bags are packed, Pastor Simon. My bags are packed because he's just around the corner and God's saying you need to live a life that is hot and ready. Let's stand. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just reach out to God. Hallelujah. Let the weight of the Holy Ghost move on you. You see, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Don't wait off till tomorrow to get baptized. Don't wait till this afternoon to get, oh yeah, I'm going to get filled today. No, today is your day of salvation. Hallelujah. Let this be your amemptos. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make the decision. Don't wait for your brother. Don't wait for your sister. That decision is yours and yours alone between you and God. And I challenge you today. Taste and see. And you will see the power. I challenge you today. Hallelujah. If you want to be filled, I challenge you today. Come. And God will fill you with His Spirit. I challenge you today. Don't wait for tomorrow to be baptized and for your sins to be... Today, go and talk to your pastor. You don't know if you're going to die when you walk out the door. But you need to be hot and ready. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is here. Oh, God and His glory is here. Oh, if you need to re-consecrate, recommit. The altar's here. Oh, Jesus.